We've been in a series here on 1 Peter. We took a break here for our week of prayer, or weeks of prayer. Our chaplain, Pastor Jean Noel, has been busy, um, both at the college and the academy, and that's been a blessing, amen? Amen. I was blessed and uh, also got get a little rest. I was able to read two more books because he was preaching, amen? So thank you so much for that and for the ongoing blessing that comes when we preach the word and we're told it does not return unto us void. Um, Today our scripture reading was from our motto here, uh, Matthew 9.35, and Jesus went everywhere, teaching, preaching, healing, all manner of sickness and disease among the people. But then he saw, he looked out and he saw that everyone was scattered. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so today we want to talk about shepherding the flock. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. That'll be our study today. And then at the end of today's service, we're actually going to have an ordination prayer for a shepherd or um, an elder. Kevin Nachu is going to have an ordination prayer today. And then we'll also have a prayer at the same time for several others who have been elders for many years. Um, And we'll just ask God's continued blessing on them. Pastor Jean Noel, Pastor Musose, and also uh, Dr. George Apeo. Um, They're all going to be serving subject to your... Uh, your vote. The elders are recommending they serve in this body as an elder. And that's their motion. Would I get a second to that, that these three men could serve as elders? Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Okay, so we're going to go forward with that prayer at the end of the service. Um, Ordination prayer for Kevin and then just a... uh, dedication to service in this place, and hopefully we'll see why that's important as we're studying today. Shepherding the flock. 1 Peter 5.1, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So here Peter is speaking, and he's saying, I'm talking to the elders and I'm also an elder. Now, he didn't have to say that because, you know, uh, he, he was an apostle. That's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He just said, I'm an apostle. But instead, he identifies, and he actually uses a Greek word that's not used anywhere else in Greek literature, to put himself along with the other elders. He's not trying to be a pope, um, as people try and make him into. He is a humble servant. And elders were to be positioned in every city, it says in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. And Peter was identifying with them as a fellow, fellow elder. And he realized that to have elders in a local city, in a local environment, is very important. And we'll see why presently. They were to minister among the people. It was a local focus. And interestingly enough, in this text, the NIV and the New King James 
they cut out a word. And that's the first word, actually, in the, in the text, in Greek, and they didn't even put it in. It's the word, therefore. Therefore, the elders are among you, I exhort. Why did they leave that word out? Is that an important word? It's an important word because it gives us a context. Wherever there's a therefore, there was a wherefore. And just before this chapter, there is a chapter, chapter 4, which is all about suffering. It's all about going through pain. It's all about going through persecution. It's about living as an alien in the world that's against your worldview. And in light of that, he says, in light of the suffering, in light of what you're going through, I want to say a word about elders and about their necessity in that kind of environment, vital necessity, especially when you're going through tough times. Therefore, what's an elder therefore? Well, we need someone with experience. The word elder actually means older. Um, is a literal translation of that as well. Someone who can exhort, para kaleo, para means parallel kaleo to call, to come nearby and call out. Peter had witnessed Christ's sufferings in the past. We see it here. I'm a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Peter had witnessed Christ's sufferings. He knew what it was like to go through uh, a time period when your shepherd was being attacked. In fact, Jesus, when he was dying um, and when he was in, in trial, and he saw Peter kind of waffling a bit, he quoted from uh, Zechariah where it says, Strike the shepherd and the, and the sheep will scatter. And Peter was one of those people who had scattered. And so he realized, wait a minute. I need to exhort you because I know something about going through suffering. I know something about seeing shepherds beat up on. The chief shepherd was beat up on and everybody scattered. And it's important for you to be faithful unto death like he was. So I don't know why they took the word out there for. Because that's what it's there for. And that gives us the context. Peter had witnessed Christ's sufferings in the past. Peter had partaken of suffering, and he was partaking of suffering in the present, but also, as a good shepherd, he had confidence in future glory. I witnessed the sufferings of Christ. I am suffering and partaking of glory. In our last chapter, he talked about giving glory to God when you go through suffering. And then he said, not only that, there's a future glory that I want to remind you of that will be more fully revealed. What wise words from a shepherd. Now, when I was thinking about shepherds and the word older, I thought about um, what are these? White blood cells. How many of you have studied about white blood cells here in your classes? So I especially thought about the lymphocytes, and I, I called a couple... Uh, I called a hematologist at Loma Linda today, I know, and I, we talked hematology this morning a little bit. And uh, then I talked to also uh, one of the physicians here, and we dialogued back and forth. Because I didn't want to be in error, but I probably still will be. Uh, um, what I remembered from reading long ago when I used to study these things was that there are some lymphocytes that actually... 
are called memory B cells. They come from the bone. That's where we get the word B. And these memory B cells are able to persist in the human body over decades. Decades. In other words, these white blood cells, they've been around a while. And usually when you see people with white hair, you say they've been around for a while. Right? And they're like the white blood cells of the body. They're maintaining a memory for a given antigen without the need of constant antigenic stimulation or proliferation. That's just a fancy way of saying they saw bad things before and they know what they are and you don't have to tell them why it's bad. They already know why it's bad. You don't have to say, well, uh, let me explain it to you. They already know giving a vital uh, immunity that can save your life because they act quickly. Look at someone next to you, anybody that has, you know, gray hair, snow on the mountains, as they say, and say, thank you for being here. Look at them. Go ahead. Now, if you think they covered up the, if you think they covered up their gray hair, say thank you anyway. The exact span of memory B cells is unknown lifespan. It's been postulated these B cells either persist throughout the lifetime of the host or are renewed constantly through either non-specific stimulation or antigen-specific stimulation. These are our white blood. These are our elders. Some of them have more gray hair than others. Um, but... Uh, they are our elders. Now, I thought maybe you'd want to see a little bit of this. Um, I don't know if it's on or not. But this is kind of what they do. This is our These elders. These are cells called cytotoxic T cells. Cytotoxic T cells are able to recognize and kill... That's Tom Kanemata right there. Cells in the body. These T cells are on patrol, searching for their targets. Let's take a closer look at how they move. Cytotoxic T cells are constantly migrating around your body. They move through your tissues by pushing out the membrane at the leading edge of the cell and pulling themselves forward. When a T cell encounters a cancer cell, an explosion of membrane protrusions explore the surface of the target. Cytotoxic T cells kill their targets with toxic chemicals. The chemicals are housed in these red structures called lytic granules. You can see the lytic granules polarized from the rear of the T-cell to the blue cancer cell. These toxic granules secrete specifically toward the target, protecting innocent bystanders which may be nearby. As the membrane of the target is compromised by the toxins in the granules, our indicator flashes bright red, signaling the impending death of the cancerous cell. Movies like these allow us to study the efficiency with which cytotoxic T cells operate. What do you guys think? So when it says in the text, I want you to be elders among you, that's kind of like white blood cells. They actually linger in areas where there was infections before, we're told. And there are those that stay in the bone marrow, those that stay in the spleen and different things, and they can be instantly marshaled. And uh, they are meant to stay in a local body. 
They don't do you any good if they're on vacation. You don't want your white blood cells going on vacation. And you don't want them forgetting what they saw before. You need them to remember. And they work along with T killer cells. They remember and the others come in and get rid of those things that are causing the problems. How many of you are thankful for your white blood cells? Not just physically, but spiritually speaking. And there's that primary response, like I said. It takes some time. They have to figure out stuff. And then there's that secondary response. That's what we're talking about, where they've seen things before. And they know. Now, sometimes young folks in the body, they don't know. And they get upset. Well, oh, man, you are just... Why are you not allowing this to happen or that to happen? You're a control freak. No, I just happened to see like 10 people killed by that. And I don't, I mean, I'll explain it to you later, but you just don't know. You got to trust the white blood cells. Can you say amen? That's the whole point. And this is what he's saying here. Now, by the way, in Titus, I didn't put a text in here. Talks about the elders, they'd be blameless, etc. Not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, hospitable, all these different things. Holding fast the faithful word. And then it says this, verse 10. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers, deceivers, and their mouths must be stopped. They subvert whole households. So an elder is supposed to be staying in touch with things that may be going wrong in a local congregation, and it's going to mess up the everything. So that's the point of elders. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So shepherd here is a verb, shepherding. It's an active service. It's like being vigilant. It's, it's looking at everything. It's actually overseers, what the shepherds do. They, they serve as overseers, and that word overseers is episkopos, which it means literally to look diligently, to take oversight, to watch, to scopos, to peer about, to be a sentinel. And you might say someone like that, well, look, they're nosy. Yes, they are. And that's what they're supposed to be. And they're supposed to look over things, and they're supposed to say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay? Uh, that's their job. Now, how many of you are thankful for someone looking over what you're doing? Sometimes we don't like it. But how many think you might need it? Yeah, and by the way, the elders need the same thing that they're doing for others, right? Because we're all sheep. Uh, how do they do this? Well, they do it willingly. If you find an elder that wants to get paid for everything they do, that's not an elder. That's a charlatan. Uh, I remember in a church not a million miles from here, not in this state, but when I was a younger person, there was an elder who uh, got into some multi-level marketing, and he was visiting all the members. And said, man, that guy's visiting a lot. 
Then I started to get these words like, you know, he was visiting, we had a great Bible study, and then he told me about this plan I could sign up for. What do you think of that? Uh, this is not someone that's serving um, with the right motives, but for dishonest gain. People always try to get a hold of your mailing list. Um, yeah, I want to send this out. I want to visit these people, do that. You don't know how many times I get requests for this as a pastor. Just let me, let me just get the mailing list of your congregation. Um, if I got a dollar for each time that happened, I'd be rich. But I'm not serving for dishonest gain. <laughs> Amen? And eagerly, cheerful readiness, a clarity of means. I mean, elders that are really elders, they want to be doing that. They want to be helping other people. They want to be serving. You don't have to say, you know, do you really want to preach today, Don? No. Do you really want to go visiting today? You don't have to say that to me. Uh, that, 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 that would never happen. And that's the way an elder is supposed to be. They're supposed to be willing to share and Loving that, actually. Um, and this is what do shepherds do? Some pictures. They're leading their flocks. This went over in Israel the last time I was there. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There are many shadows the shepherds led their flocks through. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So the shepherds lead through the valleys and they lead through the shadows. They've been there before. They know how to get you through that. Not because they're holier than thou, but because they've been there and they understand how to get through those times. Now sometimes you'll get into a rut. There's a picture of the sheep that they will just go the same paths. And this is why a shepherd has to also make sure you don't stay in a rut. If a sheep goes on the same path again and again and again, it'll get parasites. Different way. This is why we preach through different books in the Bible. And we go verse by verse, not missing things. We don't want to have hobby horses. We're going to preach all the text of every text because we need to take that new path of thought to help us understand where we may be in danger. And this is the ministry of the word exposing the word or us to that word. There is a way that might seem right to a man, but the end leads to death. And this is why the word of God is active, it's living, and it's spirit and life. And it's why the service, any service that's of any value, it's only of value as it's related to the word that has been opened up and then exposed, expository preaching. Now, another thing that a shepherd has to think about is related to this is, of course, what the sheep are eating and where they're eating. And a shepherd has to eat there first. A shepherd has to go to the table land first. He has to figure out where the sheep need to eat and he needs to eat there first. He's always first, usually in being attacked, but also in 
preparing a pasture. Does that make sense? And uh, a lot of time goes into this for a shepherd. They want to take people to the high mountain country, known as the uplands, tablelands, the mesas. Early in the season, the mesas surveyed and prepared for the sheep. There's minerals and salt provided, checks for poisonous weeds, blue and white cohosh, for instance, is very dangerous. It looks great, but it's deadly, especially to the lambs. If they nibble those, they can die. Oh, by the way, did you notice Kylie and Vlad here today with our newest little lamb? Oh, don't say too much. We don't want to wake them up. We're so glad that you brought the cherub with you today. Amen? So, looking at the menu and different things. Now, spiritually speaking, do you think people need to look over what the sheep are going to be hearing and reading? Do they need to do that? Is that part of their job description? I've actually heard people criticize people for saying, why don't you just let us listen to what we want to? Well, if I'm a shepherd, that's not what I do. I look and say, wait a minute, this may be good for you and this may not. Does that make sense? Now, that's the point, and that's what shepherds do. They know what needs to be plucked up. They know what maybe you shouldn't listen to. This is a faithful saying, a man desires a position of bishop. That's the same word there, episkopos. He desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, one who rules his own family, his, children, his household, submission with reverence. I want to say something here that I think has caused a lot of problems in the church. And that is, a minister or a shepherd has a spouse, a male and a female. Hello? Those working together are much more effective than one working alone. If you would like to experience this, come to my house when I invite you to eat. <laughs> and my wife's not home. You might survive. I did for 29 years before I got married. But I had no real idea of what life was like. And I don't want to trivialize the, the role of my wife. It's, it's not just physical food. It's also counseling and things I could never do. Um, and also raising the children um, as well. If you don't know how to do that, then you're not going to be good in the church. And that's why our elders, you know, they have wives. And when you talk about an elder, you're not just talking about the male, you're also talking about the wife. Hello? And I think that the Christian church got sucked into, especially America, into the culture wars of trying to pit females against males. And this has caused all kinds of problems. All kinds of problems. And those problems are ongoing, and they're weakening any church that gets involved in them. Because they're pitting one against the other when they never should have been. Notice what it says about the ladies here. 
Older women likewise. Again, elders, older. Older women. Um, no woman likes to be called older. But all of you are older than you were yesterday. <laughs> older women likewise. That they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers. Well, they're not gossips. They're not tail bearers. They're not, you know, whatever. Not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. Teachers. Well, they're teaching that they admonish the young woman to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Everything is now focused, again, for that, for that female side of the equation, through the word of God. Can you see that? And there's teaching, and there's specific teaching and things they can do that the man really can't do. Well, overbearing, that's not the point. Although it many times can be characterized as that. Um, I, I remember hearing about a ministry who was being accused of doing everything. And he's doing everything. Well, that was one side of looking at it. The other side was he couldn't find anybody to do it. It just depends on how you look at it. Does that make sense? So examples, the word there, example, is Tupas, where we get, you know, typology. As a model, as a type, as a pattern. Ezekiel 34, 15, and 16. I will feed my flock. I will make them lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. I'll bind up the broken, strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. So there's this, there's this compassionate saving side, and there's this confrontation <laughs> and protective side for an elder. Does that make sense? And um, it's to serve as a type or as an example. And when you see that, you say, man, I want to help people like that as well. I had some great elders, and we have some great elders in this church. By the way, back to this white blood cell thing. The white blood cells, they have these memory proteins on the side. I don't know if you call them memory proteins, but they remember stuff. And there's actually different white blood cells that remember different things. That's why you need more than just one elder. That's why we have a bunch of elders. They remember different things. And when they get together, they actually have a protection that's more robust. Add to that their wives... And, and that's even better. Hallelujah. It's a picture that's given. So um, this is the leadership that's pictured here. And, you know, with me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep do not lay down in green pastures if they're fighting with each other. They don't lay down in green pastures if things are in an uproar between them. And uh, this is just a fact of shepherding. And that's why it's so important to try and get ahead of various things where people are causing conflict, etc. It leads me beside the still waters. These are not stagnant waters. They're, they're pure waters. This is, this is, you know, and he wanted, he was, he was talking to me. And uh, yeah, there you go. 
you know, that's a picture of you. I actually, <laughs> I took a picture of you, and then I realized it looks a lot like me, though. And if we're honest, as elders or as members, we all have gone astray. We, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have had problems. And so to be an elder does not, if, if you want to be a good elder, you've got to own up to the fact that you've had problems. And maybe you even have problems now. That's why we have communion service. That's why we have all these other things. Amen. Um, and we've gone our own way. And that's why we need the help of Jesus. Now, it's interesting. Jesus came down, and in the 22nd Psalm, he pictures himself as a sheep. In the 23rd Psalm, as a shepherd. And he was successful as a sheep and then as a shepherd. Amen. This is a powerful thing. And uh, we could talk more about it. Now, sometimes other pro problems arise with sheep that need to be dealt with. What's this problem? Um, another guy had the same problem. These are, I would call these two Laodicean sheep. These are, they're rich and increased with goods. <laughs> and they do not realize that they're wretched, poor, pitiful, and blind. It's actually a very dangerous um, situation they're in. They're carrying a heavy load. This one has 90 pounds of additional wool. And it beat the record before it was 60 pounds. And they found this guy and they realized he's in trouble. He really is in trouble. He's used to carrying stuff he shouldn't be carrying around. And when they were taking this wool off, as I read the article, they actually had to monitor his heart rate and his breathing because he might have a heart attack when they took the wool off. It took him an hour to get the wool off. He only, usually only takes about much less. I'm not a shepherd, but I think it was like 20 minutes to shear a sheep if you know what you're doing. But this took an hour. And he was so used to having this much wool that they had to put double jackets on him um, because he, he was cold. And he wasn't used to the climate. <laughs> so he, climate change is real, folks. And so, he, so he, uh, <laughs> he had some real issues. And how many of you think, I mean, it kind of looks funny, but how many think there might be some Laodicean sheep here? Or that you know? And as I listened to that offering appeal today, that was a great offering appeal. By the way, the one last week was great, too. These were great offering appeals. Um, this is something we need to do and have done. That is for people to ask us for wool and ask for us to give up the stuff that we're carrying around that really we should put into to God's work. Um, I love asking people for money. In fact, I would love for you to give money today. I mean, you've already given, but there are great needs. There are even students sitting right here in this room. If they don't get the money, they're going to have to drop out of school. These are missionary students. These are people that need help. And, uh, and so you should ask people for money if you want their best 
good. You say, oh, I'm embarrassed. I don't like to ask people for money. But just think about that picture of a sheep the next time you're nervous about that. If you're asking them for money, it's probably because they have some money. You're not asking me for much money, I know that, but you're asking people. And this is the principle in uh, Spirit of Prophecy, Ellen White says, usually people's idea is to get and get, instead of give, give. The principle of Satan is I want to get and I want to get more. And the principle of Christ is I want to give and I want to give more. And then based on that, right in the next paragraph, the light of the gospel shining from the cross of Christ rebukes selfishness, encourages liberality and benevolence because he came and he gave all, right? It should not be a lamented fact that there are increasing calls to give. Oh, I went to the church and they asked for more money. No, that's why you should go to church because you need to be sheared. <laughs> you can't shear yourself. How many of you notice you can't shear yourself? Many of God's people are in danger of becoming ensnared by worldliness and covetousness. They should understand that it is his mercy that multiplies the demands for their means. I asked probably 10 people for money this week. One said to me, I thought we were friends. Why did you ask for money? Into action. Must, must. What's the word, what does the word must mean? It must be placed before them or they cannot pattern after the character of the great exemplar. Think about that. Maybe save that quote for when you're talking. Look, I even talk to people that I don't even know. I just know they're rich. I can just tell. I say, you know, why don't I just go for it? I used to fly from here to Las Vegas a lot. Not to, but through. And on the way, so are you happy you're going to Vegas? Going to do some gambling? Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe would you like something that's actually not a gamble at all? You're going to get some interest that goes on eternally. I have a proposition for you. I made like 50 bucks. That's all. And I probably asked 300 bucks. But anyway, still asking them, how many of you think that was a good idea to ask? In fact, we're told in uh, the scriptures and the spirit of prophecy that the uh, Gentiles get wealthy that they might give to God's people. Just remember that. So a shepherd then has to also protect, protect the sheep. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Um, and we could go into more of that. But I want to point this out again. A good shepherd will be attacked because a good shepherd is always the first line of attack. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. And if the shepherd's doing what's right, they're going to be most assuredly attacked. They're at the door of the sheep gate. And if the fox themselves by being in the word and then helping anoint others, oil, sulfur, tar mix given is for the sheep and individually, if it's not done, guess what happens? The sheep will drive themselves crazy attempting to get rid of the pests themselves. They'll look at all other ways. They might bang their head against the wall or, or against the tree. Not so long ago in a clinical program here, I was talking to someone who had been under some false shepherds. It was false education system. And they had shared heresy with them. False, biblical, 
Well, it wasn't biblical. It was heresy. And they bought it. And because of that, their life was a wreck. And I was out in the woods walking with them. And they literally began to beat their head against a tree right out here and start to cry out, Jesus, help me. I was so upset at the shepherds who were in charge before they got here. So anointing the head with oil. Sometimes sheep need to be baptized. In fact, they dip the whole lot. Sheep also need protection against scabs and irritating contagious disease. Pass through direct head-to-head contact. Sometimes you can see people hanging out with people that you know that's not going to be good. Um, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You show me a student who is scorning things and who is making waves about things they shouldn't be, calling into questions the doctrines of the Bible or the church. This is not something to be taken lightly because it will lead to a problem. And that's what a shepherd needs to see. You don't just go along to get along. I'm not saying be tactless, but you've got to come near and make sure. Now, you know, I was listening to a message about sheep. And someone says, some shepherds, they break the legs of the sheep so that they then have to carry them until the legs get better. And they have a strong bond with them. I said, that doesn't sound. I mean, I, I never heard that. Break a leg, it doesn't mean that. So I looked it up, and there actually was an article about it on the Internet. It's not break, B-R-E-A-K. It's break, B-R-A-K-E. So what they will do with shepherd, the shepherd will do, is if there is a, um, a sheep that is becoming rebellious or whatnot, is they'll like take a stick or something, they'll put it around the leg, and it, it's like a break. It slows that sheep down. So the sheep can't really, if it goes off on its own, it can't go too far too fast. <laughs> now that's still dangerous because at night it can't run if a predator comes. You don't want to be a breakdancing sheep if you can help it because it does make you vulnerable. But instead of getting everyone into danger, they will sometimes put a break. This is what we would call church discipline. Okay? It doesn't mean they don't love the sheep. They're worried about that sheep. They're worried about the flock. Does that make sense? And that's what a shepherd is to do. Um, to treat the irritating disease of scab, the sheep need to be dipped in linseed oil and sulfur. And I'm not saying we're going to institute that here for the students, but we do have baptism. Amen? Olive oil mixed with sulfur needs to be dipped. We need to be baptized anew each and every day with the Spirit of God. Remember those white blood cells again that I mentioned? Um, I read an interesting thing about T killer cells. I, I almost gave a hematology lecture today. I got so into it. But uh, these T killer cells, they also have memory. Uh, it's not as long, and it's passed on. Uh, it, there's an education process from a T cell to another T cell. And there's an education process as well with the memory cells. 
which is why we want to ordain new um, elders. We want to be discipling church. We voted that in our business meeting last night, that the university church is a discipling church. Um, but there was an interesting anecdote was shared in one of these articles about T-cells. And it says, you know, memory is through books. The memories are the most revival things, like we heard in our children's story, is God's Word. Problem is, like we heard, we often don't open it. And that's why we are subject to, to problems. And that is the role of an elder as well, an elder and his wife, to open the Word of God in the context of a relationship with people. Amen? Is it to have a consistent shepherd? We have elders here. I'm the pastor here. How important is it to hear the voice of the shepherd? Let me just show you this clip to illustrate this. I think it's very important. Um, and you'll see in this clip, which I truncated the clip a bit, it had three examples of random people trying to call out to the sheep and then the shepherd calling out to the sheep. Let me show you this. Okay, so let me, just, let me just go back here. The first one, they had three people all trying to call out to this, this herd of sheep. They weren't even looking at them. And then the farmer comes, the shepherd comes. That's what you're seeing here. So this is someone just randomly calling out. Now the farmer. Is it important to hear a consistent voice? It is. I mean, probably the preacher I heard the most of my life was my dad. And I don't remember all his sermons, but I just remembered I knew he loved God. I knew he had a strange way of showing that sometimes, which happens when you have a head injury. And I knew he loved me. I knew that. Wasn't perfect, and I certainly wasn't perfect either. Two imperfect people. But God can use imperfect people. Amen. That consistent voice, hearing it again and again, gave me something to come back to. Amen. When you're all over the place, he was everywhere is nowhere. So be thankful for those faithful voices in your life. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.